Welcome to The Conversion Show, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, conversions. Everything that gets you to your goal, whether that's purchase, lead capture, app install, content downloads, chat engagement, or demo requests, we're talking conversions. Hosted by Eric Christensen, CEO and co-founder of leading conversion optimization platform, Just Do Know. On The Conversion Show, Eric sits down with industry-leading marketers, e-commerce growth experts, founders, and entrepreneurs to chat all things conversion marketing. Be sure to follow The Conversion Show podcast to be notified when a new episode goes live. Like what you hear? Leave us some love with a review. And now, here's your host, Eric Christensen. We're here today, Andrew, to talk about lifecycle marketing and what I'm excited about is talk about the three pillars we spoke on recently, traffic, conversion, retention. So with that, I'm going to kick the show off. How's that sound? Let's do it. Okay. Well, welcome to the conversion show today. Uh, we have the Christians <laughs> taking over today. And I'm really excited because Andrew and I have been working together for, I don't know, eight ish uh yeah eight ish years um you know andrew was originally with force at email aptitude uh we share our great 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 grandfathers probably sailed the seas originally (laughs) as nomads as andrew's a nomad as well we're both you're you're taking homesteading to a whole new level more than me right now uh and I'm, i'm so happy you know many of you know andrew uh and his background but for those that you don't um, you know, originally email marketing, moved to email aptitude, went to tenuity, uh, then um, some email marketing, heavy email marketing business in there. And now, and I'm giving you, I'm giving the, the, the rough breakdown here. But what I'm really excited about is Andrew has joined us in the entrepreneurial world and has launched Retensity, a full lifecycle marketing firm. So with that, uh, we get to pick Andrew's brain today on, I'd like to open with one. First, have you provide a just general, like, honestly, it's sad to say, but I Googled lifecycle marketing not too long ago, just to be like, what exactly, exactly is it? So I'd like to hear your breakdown. And then we're going to talk about the pillars we spoke on um, in our conversations Andrew and I wrapped for like an hour 45 a few weeks ago and we're like okay we got to record this for real so with that said I want to welcome Andrew to the show excellent well uh it is uh my extreme pleasure uh to be with you today Eric and yeah I think over the years we've had a plenty of conversations around uh D2C e-commerce uh conversion and retention um, and then the the abundance of changes that we've seen, uh, the astronomical changes that we've seen within the space over our time um, working uh, with this. So uh, I, I co-founded Retensity with the the laser focus of kind of exclusively lifecycle to look a little bit more broadly on uh, retention practices, really. So. So my background for the last 10 years has been focused exclusively on email. Obviously, we saw the the influence of Messenger, Facebook Messenger, which kind of died off. 
we saw um, SMS come and, and kind of take the world by storm, um, adding additional pillar there. And then uh, when we started working together was really, I think, when uh, like on-site list growth became so pivotal. Um, and so the reason why Justuno and, and I personally have had such a strong relationship is Justuno has always been an essential tool um, when we're talking about growing subscribers and, and list growth, particularly in, in regards to building a robust um, email marketing program, SMS marketing program. And, and one of the things that, that we do as an agency is manage just you know, technology in order to enable uh, that like on-site conversion as best as we possibly can. And it's not just getting the sale right then and there, which I know is a lot of what Justinu is evolving into, um, but by gathering that information more efficiently and effectively, building out the entire life cycle of the subscriber on the back end. So the life cycle is pretty much defining that email and SMS are the number one acquisition channels, they're the number one retention channels, and they're the primary voice of a brand to their customers day in and day out forever and ever. Folks will not go to your site constantly, but what they will do is they'll subscribe to you and you can basically manage your communication for your brands on your behalf in order to create an impact on a regular basis, on a regular cadence. A lot of this is preaching to the choir, talking to you um, and, and, and probably preaching to the choir uh, to a lot of your listeners. Um, but it, I, I do believe it, it's it's an essential component. And I like to look at retention more broadly as life cycle, because I don't think it's just about like, you know, saving the customer and, and making sure that we're not churning people. Um, retention kind of by its name to me means that like we're preventing churn, right? Um, and while I think preventing churn is a critical component of it, what we're really talking about is maximizing the life of each and every subscriber, maximizing the customer relationship. Well, you know, hearing you break that down, you know, we're we're evolving the theories of retention, of conversion. Traffic is an evolve, traffic is more adapting to the market. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you when you, you talk about you know, the customer lifespan, it's this holistic approach that we're having to take in marketing now when it comes to the customer experience. And it's it's not a one department thing. It's an all company thing where that customer's experience for retention comes down to how the shipping and fulfillment team is operating. Absolutely. You know, it's just as one example. You know, so it's identifying all these different categories within the company and then getting leadership to help align that company and then work with firms to help. Can you say firms? What agency firms? Yeah, yeah firms. What good, do you say? Good. Agency's good. I mean, agency. I think they're they're interchangeable. Yeah, well, you, well, on that exact note, I think I, I and I'm going to botch this, but I heard the definition of brands a long time ago as every single interaction that anybody ever has with the name of your company, anybody at your company or any product with for, for that represents your company. So, so thinking about it in that way, when we're talking about customer experience, 
those are all of the opportunities you have to have a good customer uh, experience. And it, it, when you think about your organization, my organization, we're, we're really obsessed with like culture too, right? We want our everybody to be happy and to be productive um, and to be advocates and pillars in, in society. The same is true for retention. The same way that you, you retain an employee in a lot of ways is the same way that you create advocates of subscribers um, in, in the long run. So look at it this way. People take a job and they look at the benefits, right? They look at that four-day work week of just doing it and they're like, oh my goodness, you know, I bet you're getting more applications than anybody these days. Have you have you adopted it yet? We haven't adopted it. We haven't adopted <laughs> it. Uh, um, but, but I think that when you look at those benefits, uh, it's the same exact thing in messaging, in marketing, in positioning. You have to make sure that you're always and consistently um, showing what the benefits of being a subscriber is, be, the benefits of, of, of buying your products, the benefits of using your products in different ways. You know, you, you talk about brand and building trust with a customer and, and all these different categories that, you know, you have your, you know, your primary, your secondary, your third ways, you know, ways you can engage with your, your customers or build a culture around your company. I noticed that you joined 1% for Planet. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. And, you know, that's something that Yvonne Chouinard, uh, Patagonia, really helped. Did he found, found that? Or I don't did think he just helped push it? Yeah, I think he helped He helped push it, but I okay. don't think he founded it. He was probably maybe the first big company, maybe. Um, and you, you've seen, I see a lot. There was a really big push around and market around that. Um, in recent years, but it's funny. I don't know. Is it as popular? I don't know if I've seen it. Has it faded a little? So, so I, I'm not sure about the one percent for the planet and like how eminently popular they are in general. But I something that I've always been obsessed with, and it's known by different names, is like evolved enterprise, conscious capitalism, and in and in the concept of like so many stakeholders winning by the success of a company, I think is something that resonates. Not, I mean, it resonates with me, which is why I'm obsessed with it. But I think that it resonates for young people in general. I'm like an elder millennial. And I would definitely say me on down age category. I think that it matters a lot. Um, and that said, I mean, how much easier is it to say for um, for for brand that has you know like no toxins in it or is good for the your skin good for the environment uses recyclable plastics if they use it or don't use plastics or you know like all of these trends for the environment all these trends for health and wellness all of these these are the emerging companies these are the companies making a huge difference and these are the companies that are really kind of changing the landscape they always say, you know, put your dollar where it's going to make the most impact, mm -hmm. right? It, 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 how do you vote um, for change? You you buy things that that yeah yeah you buy things that make a change. Um, and I I've personally seen like uh, in the cosmetics industry as well as in like the home health industry. Um, I've worked with clients that were kind of early adopters in like getting rid of toxins and chemicals. And then I saw them hit these huge market milestones. And then I saw Walmart come out with a hundred products all at the same exact time to compete with them. 
And so Walmart noticing that competition and coming to market with that, that is the threshold of difference. And as this becomes more and more mainstream, yes, you can make your products like that, or you could organize your entire company around that. And for us, 1% uh, for the planet is one, one portion of it. Also doing philanthropy for our, our local food banks and communities um, where $1 can go a, a, a really long way um, in whether it's like planting trees in Africa or, or, or serving food down the streets. Um, so, so we have it aligned that not only when customers are working with us, do they get, uh, incredible life cycle services. Um, but in addition to that, they get the relationship with us they get recommendations for partners like Justuno from us. Um, they also, uh, benefit, uh, their customers by giving their customers a better customer experience. And then they also benefit society by, um, uh, every, a portion of everything that they pay us goes towards the environment, goes towards food banks, goes towards society as a whole. So seeing that as a so many stakeholders winning from those outcomes, I think is a compelling proposition. And, and, and that's a lot of why, why we, we thought it would be an essential portion of how to structure the organization. The, uh, you know, well, congratulations. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things every time I, I, I see uh, companies participating in that, I, it makes me, it, it's that psycho consumer psychology is like, oh, you immediately associate them with brands like Patagonia. And with, you know, it's this elite group that there's a lot to be said about it. And it which gets into the customer experience and trust when, when shoppers are going to websites and trying to, you know, for the first time, trying to, you know, it's their first date, trying to figure them out. You know, it's, that is one example of yet another um, little subcategory that a retailer can leverage as a competitive advantage over Amazon. Uh, absolutely. And and so it's interesting because you know that Amazon had the Smile uh, program. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but it, it was smile.amazon.com. And you could go to smile.amazon.com and you could actually apportion, a, a like you're basically your affiliate fees um, that they would pay out to like an affiliate would go towards a philanthropy of your choice. Um, but they announced that they're sunsetting that recently. Um, in D2C lands, um, you could do eco carts, uh, you could do shopping yeah. gives, and these are yeah. two rad technologies that basically make it so that you can either plant trees or you can give to any philanthropy that you want. And your customer can choose to do that on checkout. And it's, it was fun. I, I shopped sheets rad. and giggles and bought some bed sheets. Yeah. And I, I donated to uh, Sea Shepherd. That's uh, rad. And it was, it was a really cool experience. And I love how I got to, it was got to select and you know it's these type of creative ways of of you know having fun with your company and like doing things that separate you they're differentiators um and well, so yeah add it to the list of well, you know well, but how do you introduce like you have this whole list and when you work with clients how do you you know let's let's talk about when you're working with a client in terms of how do you prioritize what you're going to present to a client because with conversion and retention there's you know like i said there's a laundry list that can be done but you have to prioritize and get buy-in yes i mean i i think that so so for the brands that we're working with we're we're 
I mean, obviously they, they need some sort of unique value proposition um, that that is strong and compelling. One of the things that we're talking about in regards to uh, actually having that like kind of conscious capitalism sort of scenario where you get to choose where to donate your dollar, um, that portion I would categorize almost under like risk reversal. Um, so having various methods of like risk reversal in order to ease the friction between purchase is something that that is huge for conversion, but for us also in in messaging and being the voice of the brand to the customer, when we're merchandising emails, it's things that we want to include on a regular basis. Now, how do we prioritize um, what takes highest priority um, and what we're working on on a consistent basis? For us, there's it's there's there's a pretty clear hierarchy. Um, our goal is relationship and engagement, but it's also very much revenue oriented, right? So, so for us, we have to be producing revenue. We have to be producing profits um, in order for it to make sense, in order for people to be justified in working with us. And so that is, our first target is going to be really focused on that. Now, now, now that doesn't mean just send more of the same exact emails that you're already sending. It likely means that you know we're 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 going to get your hair done. We're going to put on some makeup. We're going to make it. Uh, we're going to make it beautiful. Um, and we're going to make it utilizing best practices. Um, and we're going to be carefully testing and optimizing along the way, but simultaneously including persistent banners, utilizing dynamic content that changes messaging based off of who your audience is, um, who the audience is that, that just do know is, is gathering um, also in your database for retargeting and otherwise. Um, but one, one of the, so, so I know initially we're going to talk about traffic conversion and retention, which is what I, I call like the marketing flywheel for D2C brands. Um, when, when we're thinking about retention, retention is, it's kind of the essential step um, in making brands profitable. Um, when you look at cost of acquisition today, you look at these traffic channels that are constantly changing and um, you know some are getting and maturing and dying um, and going through their own kind of experience in real time constantly over the last decade um, and I'm sure for the next decade, the uh, conversion, the that owned real estate, that's where you come in and, and you're able to utilize a lot of these techniques, um, tactics, skills, et cetera, in order to get people to either give their contact information or to get them to the sale. And then when they come to us from there, our job is to continuously educate them, continuously um, tell them about the brand. So there are essential infrastructure like welcome series, card abandonment series, browse abandonment series that are going to make up a decent portion of the revenue of triggered messaging infrastructure. But then from there, there's about 10 to 15 additional behavioral triggers that we can establish. And then also creating a nice, comfortable cadence segmenting the list properly, making sure that we're evaluating the data and using a data-driven approach on what will make the biggest impact, what actually has driven the biggest impact. And then when we're testing, looking at like evidence-based testing. So evidence-based testing, meaning that, that we're going to get an outcome that's statistically significant. And then we're going to pull that outcome and we're going to take that learning. And we're actually not going to just say, okay, for this one specific email, we learned this. And so for this email, it's always going to be this. Um, that's, that's fleeting, but we can take that learning and we can apply it across 
the entire program and make it so that it can it can get a lift. Now, the reason why retention generates profit is because you're spending all your money on traffic. Conversion obviously makes it more efficient. The higher your conversion, the more efficient it can possibly be. But at the end of the day, most brands are either breaking even or losing money on first customer acquisition. So retention where I play is, is exactly where the profit comes from. Us getting that second purchase, us getting that third purchase, us building that loyalty and engagement relationship over the long haul is what's really putting money in the pockets of the brand. And it's giving them extra funds in order to acquire more customers profitably. So as we talk about that retention component and what makes for a experience that will allow people to retain, what are the, obviously someone shops shipping an item fast, right item, you know, all the way from, you know, when you open the box, you know, even a, a message from the company or free gift with purchase. You have those, that's part of the experience to want to shop again. What are some other kind of standard baseline things you look at to make sure that that customer is going to come back? So, I mean, to, to be honest with you, it comes all the way back to the product, right? So, so the products that the brand is selling, I mean, in, in, you can see the difference between brands that are going to fly out the gate when they launch um, or brands that you know are, might might stutter step a little bit. Um, the quality of the product makes a difference. And if it's not high quality, then th there needs to be other selling points. So, so if you start with the product, then you start with the merchandising of the product and how it's packaged. And then you look at the unboxing experience, et cetera. What's included in the unboxing? The funny thing is, so, you know, Pure Vita Bracelet was a mutual client of ours forever, right? Yeah. So, so for them, uh, one of the things that I loved is that they would always include stickers um, in, in, in the packages that you'd receive. And so if you think about like the cultural relevance or the influence that that a consumer has when they when they receive your product, are they turning into advocates just from the very fact of having your product? Um, and then they're receiving emails and messages and telling them more about the company, telling them more about the story, telling them more about the conscious capitalism that the organization stands for. And, and, and really they're getting indoctrinated into the brand at, at this process. So, so I would say, it, it, customer experience is, is everything from the product to the physical experience of having it to the messaging that's coming consistently from the brand or otherwise um, for it. And you bring up um, uh, Patagonia, and I want to say it's Patagonia. It might be REI. Who's the opt-out side? Was it REI? The opt-out side, the what? Yeah, opt-out side for, so Black Friday, Cyber Money. Monday. Oh yeah, um, they said we're, we're closed. Yeah, so they said we're closed and they're doing that every single year. But when that first came about, I mean, other than Amazon promising drone delivery that never happens, I would say that that was the best campaign that I've ever seen um, yeah. for resonating with their audience, um, knowing their customer, knowing their demographic, knowing what their values are. And I think that this, this stretching of, uh, of, of making sure that you're aligning your values with your product, your communication and your customer's values um, and this concept of even conscious capitalism, I think that it really puts legs under any organization. Now, 
can you not care about the environment? Can you not care about sustainability? Can you not do any, can you ignore all of that stuff and still be successful? Yes, you can still tactically do a lot of things and, and, and build engagement and do risk reversal and do all the best practices and still be a very successful organization. But I think, I think having an edge um, by aligning your values with your customers' values um, and then and then really taking it seriously goes a long way. So you have the the communication arm of retention, i.e. email, maybe social, communicating the messages. And then you have these creative campaigns, like strategies, yep. such as like unboxing, like you mentioned. Yep. Talk about talk about user-generated content that can then turn into marketing, free marketing dollars, like all the unboxing videos, yes, et cetera. I mean, well, well, so, so, so beyond, so, so I'll say, I mean, I, I think that you, you stated it right there, right? So, so the better experience that you create, the more shareable experience that you create, the more likely it is going to actually be shared. Um, but when, when, um, but, but I think that there's this whole, uh, evolution of of making sure that people are talking about you um and when people are talking about you how they're talking about you and and that is all in the experience that you're creating and the messaging that you're creating and even your so much as your launch schedule so we know that it's like best practice if you are a multiple product organization to launch a product or to do a huge campaign at least every 6 weeks right so if you think about it from like a email cadence standpoint, you somebody emails you the same exact thing for six weeks in a row, you're going to be pretty dang tired of them. But if every every if if we can do a variety of messaging about a variety of different topics and a variety of different passions and a variety of different um, points of view, and then every six weeks there's this big launch um, or some big media event, and then we can alter the conversation and we can build up to that and then we can announce that and then we can transition. And so making sure that you have like a, a regular flow of new products or new variations or new positioning um, or new campaigns in marketing um, that are coming out on a regular basis also make a big difference as well, because otherwise you, you, you've seen ads on Facebook and you've seen the same ad, like you want the product, but they just show you like a static picture of that product 18,000 times. And it's not that exciting to you. But if they utilized uh, all of their brand stuff, you would get to see that product merchandise beautifully 15 different times. And maybe that would be more compelling. But as you mentioned, what's even more compelling is that if they were actually putting funds behind user-generated content and you saw some brand variations. You saw maybe like a, a more boring product photo. You saw like a little unboxing video. And then you're seeing real people use it and give reviews um, in, in that, that are just like you. Um, that's going to be super compelling. And it's going to give you the perception, especially of, of the influence factor of, of social proof. And of all of the influence factors out there, I personally believe that social proof is the driving change. It is like influencer marketing is a powerful mechanism, 
um, anything that's refer friend refersion um, as a technology, like those things are are very powerful um, because social uh, social proof and, and social influence for humans. Uh, it's 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 everything like when when you're making a major business decision for yourself i'm sure that you contact a few of your most trusted saas founders and you ask them um their feedback their recommendations and that's how you've made a lot of your decisions whether or not you feel like you've scrutinized the hell out of it or not um their impact <laughs> has made a difference well now nowadays it's i, I see the amex bill and i'm like i have to ping the team like what is firefly <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's way cheaper than gong don't worry <laughs> uh, so they were socially influenced maybe yeah no they were they it was word of mouth uh they're on a zoom meeting and they saw this little bot they're like who's that they're like oh this, i think it's firefly or something like that the um you know as we take retention and and marry it to conversion this user generated content is something that can live in the shopping experience yes on on both sides though as well so so um on on my little last rant there one of the things that uh um i i was pointing out even is that some brands they want so much brand control that they're saying you know use my professional photography use my oh, yeah. um use my product imagery but i i don't want to venture away from that right um, I, I, I want to maintain this, the brand, brand integrity, which I admire and respect, but I do think that there is something to be said for influencer, uh, content or user-generated content, not only with an email, maybe not the hero, um, if, if, if you're going to be very particular, but you could have it within email, you can have it with an SMS, you can, you should have it on site. You should see like a full streaming group of folks on there that are like the most recent posters, um, saying the most positive things. And once again, that's social proof in and of itself. And that's risk reversal. Same thing with reviews. Reviews are social proof and risk reversal. So, so these factors make a difference and they compound upon each other. If you go to a site and there's zero reviews at all, it looks compelling. Um, you, and you see like one piece of user generated content, you're going to be like, you know, they're trying to sell me something. But if you go on the site and you see that they have 10,000 reviews that are 4.9 stars, you have all these testimonials, you have endless quantities of, of risk reversal um, occurring there, you're going to say, oh, well, everybody wants this. And so I must want it too. The, um, you, you mentioned a couple items there. One is, is you know, protecting the brand type. And I think that's where DTC brands really have a competitive advantage because there's a lot of red tape removed from a company. One, they're generally more focused on their product because they're all, you know, they're selling direct to the consumer, they're innovating the product, they can talk to the consumer, involve the consumer, and aren't aren't held up in the traditional brand um, breakdown. And, and if you look historically, brands, their job is to build product and market it. Yep. And it was just then they'd have a distributor that would retail it. So we've been in this transition phase the last 10 years of brands trying to figure out how to retail failing. And then DTCs figured it out. They're able to save margin by cutting out the distributors and get rid of distribution rights, all that disaster, you know, the, the days of being retailing, um, which, which I think is opens up the opportunity to be creative. And, and and push the boundaries 
Like when you look at when you when you're looking at your own customers for retensity, is there a profile of of retailers or business owners or leaders that you kind of elements that you look for, characters that you look like character traits? So so the I mean everybody likes the David and Goliath story, right? Um, and the, the reason being for, for D2C, D2C is the David and Goliath story, like being lived out. Um, and while established enterprise brands finally started to get the hint in, let's say right before COVID and then really during COVID, um, that, that, that there, there was, um, possibility in executing to an extremely high level, um, in this environment, um, and there's always innovators like, like, you know, uh, REI, Patagonia, um, and, and Nike, um, that, that stand out and stand above. Um, most of the time when you're talking about a, a smaller organization trying to compete in a category owned by a multi-billion dollar behemoth, um, what you're talking about is you're talking about people that are like willing to get dirty, to fight and to be nimble. And so when it's looking for good clients is very similar to looking for good employees. You want people to be ambitious. Um, you want them to be competent. Um, and you want them to be, 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 to, to have that perseverance in their character of, of understanding that they're going to be pushing forward and fighting, um, for, for what they are. And, and that's why when you talk about you mentioned um, something in regards to, uh, you know, brands, they're all locked up and like, you know, you have to get 25 approvals in order to like do one piece of creative. Um, so D to C by nature should be nimble, should be testing, should be optimizing, should be utilizing D to C and doing evidence-based testing. Is it productive? If it's not, then we won't use it. If it's better, then let's test something else against it now and see if we can get even more, even, even more positive results. And so um, when working with brands, we're looking for folks that actually have pieces of the puzzle put together already. Um, because when, when we're talking about the marketing flywheel, traffic when you're starting a brand, traffic is critical, right? You need traffic. So people need to come to your site. Once they're at your site, they need conversion. They need you um, essentially. And then they could get away with like base infrastructure of, of lifecycle marketing um, for, for, for a decent period of time. Like when you're starting off and you're just launching, unless your brand is pristine and you're, you're, you, you want to make sure that, that that's upheld in every single step, or it's a considered purchase and you need life cycle in order to convert the sale, um, then you can almost neglect it for a period of time. I mean, you should still lay it out and you should still optimize it, but just at a basic level. But once you're four, five, six million in annual revenue, um, you're leaving a massive amount of money on the table by not making your life cycle program the bedrock of your brand. I mean, just take, for example, that we know everything about your customer. So we also know who's buying, who's not buying, where they're located, um, who's what, who's churning, who's not churning, who the VIPs are. These, this is all information that you could that that brands can take and they could utilize across channels. They can get more 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 specific and grounded in their targeting across paid media channels or 
other earned media channels um, or owned media channels. And then um, we can make it as efficient as we possibly can. So, so really it's making sure that people have the right composition to be able to want to press forward. Some people don't um, and smaller, very, very small companies um, sometimes may not <laughs> as much. Um, but I think that once people start getting the wind behind their back and they're pushing the rock up the hill, but they could see that that they're going in the direction that they want to go, then that's the perfect time to start working with us because we can add fuel to that fire by making all of their paid uh, more efficient and, and, and also really starting to build out that loyalty, build out that relationship and build out the, the revenue channel that can stand the test of time as the business continues to evolve. I remember we were, we were talking last week about customer profiles and ICPs of, of end consumer customers and how on the traffic side with marketing, they figured that out. Yep. You know, especially with email marketing as well, building all the workflow segmentation, dynamic lists, et cetera. Translating that to conversion and retention, it seems like on the retention side, you've got a really a pretty well connected to that. Well, so uh, so so on the on the traffic side, I think that what they're doing is it's like you you know where you're you're traveling to, right? But you get in your car every day and the road bends a little, right? And so the road is kind of slightly different. And and sometimes um every couple of years or so, though the, there's just there's a trees on the road and you're never going to be able to get through. They decided to destroy that road. And so traffic, I think, has is other than SEO, has kind of always been this route of like this is you you're continually having to test paid media channels and optimize them and so you have people with massive skin in the game and then you have to stay on the cutting edge bleeding edge all the time right with conversion i think it's underinvested in largely um and the reason and and you know we we talked about the statistics that 92 92 are spent in traffic for every one dollar in conversion i mean when you think about improving conversion rate on site by 1%, by 2% for a, a $10 million annual revenue company, you're talking about $100,000, $200,000 more um, in, in those scenarios. And then you're talking, and then making sure that for, for email, for SMS, yes, SMS is a newer channel that's that's kind of getting its legs more fully built out right now. But, but email... Email is the oldest channel. It existed before the internet. Email came out with the ARPANET. So email marketing and this method of communication, you still have to log in to your social media accounts using your email address um, almost all the time. So, so email is kind of this perennial thing that's that stood the test of time, and it still remains extremely relevant today. And 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 as such. That technology has continuously gotten better. We have continuously gotten new technology, new capabilities, artificial intelligence, machine learning, et cetera, integrated into technology. And, and it's still a constantly evolving landscape. But I think that people get um, lazy or they just don't know any better. Um, when you look at the statistics for ESPs, email service providers, you see that the vast majority of folks are using 
less than 20% of the platform. Um, I, I, I remember going to a presentation like six years ago, um, and I won't say the name of the CSP, but the, the, they went up on stage and what they were talking about is that their customers were using less than 10% of their platform. Yeah. And, and so the main problem is, is that people just need to maximize what's right in front of them. And no, you're not going to have like this, this genius jack of all trades email marketer hundred percent of the time. What you will have though, is you could work with a team of tenured uh, email marketers that have this brain trust that's constantly evolving and staying on the bleeding edge of what's going on with a variety of clients in order to maximize the channel for you on a consistent basis in order to maximize the use of the technology that you're already paying for. Um, and I think that that's, that's a lot of the portion of what people are missing. And the opportunity is that is that there's just so much money on the table that is is being neglected um, that that they can make a big meaningful difference there. And then with retention on lockdown, um, then it makes ads cheaper. If you know that somebody's going to buy four times instead of buying one time, then that means that you can spend more to acquire a customer. If you convert one, two, three, five percent more um, site visitors, um, either to subscribe or to actually transact at that moment in time, then they can spend more money. So all of these are just efficiency mechanisms in order to make it so that the company can invest their next dollar where it's going to make the biggest impact. You nailed it right there. I mean, digital marketers still aren't focusing enough time and resources on the conversion component. Yeah. And it's understandable. They just need the tools and the guide to get it done to build an efficient, sustainable machine. Um, I think we could, I think we could finish there with that. <laughs> I mean, we're right at the 45 minute mark and you know, who wants to listen to us for more than 45 minutes? I, so. I, I, not anyone <laughs> I know, not a, <laughs> well, I say we, I say we finish then. Uh, even though we talked for an hour 45, I think last time we wrapped, but we'll have, we'll have more time. Uh, Andrew, thanks for joining us today. It's, it's retensity.com. You can find more of Andrew on there and, uh, thank you for joining in and any final shout outs there, Andrew, in your parts. Uh, I, I've got I've got no shout outs uh, on, on my parts at the moment, but I uh, am massively appreciated uh, the the honor of uh, speaking with you today and uh, am, am thrilled uh, to uh, share the good news of uh, retention and conversion with the people. Um, and yeah, and if anybody's interested in, in having a conversation, always happy to chat on uh, LinkedIn, Andrew uh, Christensen. My last name is spelled like Christ is on, a little bit different than Eric's. And mine um, is Christ is a sin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and then of course you could find me at uh, retensity.com uh, and uh, happy to chat about all things uh, retention and uh, life cycle with you. Great. All right. Well, thank you. Hope everyone enjoyed. Thanks. Bye-bye.